0: Finish Flow is a new podcast that puts the spotlight on a dynamic cohort of next-generation Finnish entrepreneurs devoted to social good. This collective of 35 and under changemakers is employing cutting-edge innovations that will help guide us to the critical year of 2030 and beyond. Today's guest is Lassie Leponiemi. Welcome to the podcast, Lassie, and welcome to our listeners. And welcome IceEye and IQM, the sponsors of the Finish Flow podcast season. Our partner in this episode is Hundred. Lasse, you are the executive director and co-founder of Hundred, an education nonprofit looking to use innovative approaches in the K-12 space. Tell us a little bit about Hundred's mission.
1: Thank you, Lasse, and it's a pleasure to be here. And um, Hundred was born in 2015 from a notion that we realized that there is so much happening in the education sector. There is multiple different organizations uh, trying to improve the way how we are educating our kids around the world. And uh, at the same time, when we were discussing with education uh, providers who were, you know, struggling when m- multiple organizations want to try to find their way into the classrooms, that what if we would ask directly, directly from teachers, like what kind of solution practices you love and how you use those to have even better learning results with your students? And that was the initial uh, push for hundred to be born, and um, we started the work in twenty. Fifteen uh, to first highlight one hundred Finnish education innovations to celebrate the centenary of the Finnish independence in twenty seventeen, and that's ah, so that's where the name comes from. Yeah, that's where the name comes from. Like I think, like no one with the right mind would, you know, have a <laughs> hundred as a name of an organization. It's very bad for the Google results. I have heard. <laughs>
0: Well, on your website, 100 has scores of, not many more than 100, but has scores of of special innovations in the K-12 learning space. How does that process work? And can you give us an example or two of the kinds of innovations that 100 supports and nurtures?
1: Yeah, so in the beginning, we started to look at the education space uh, with our research team. And by the date, we have researched a little bit more than 5,000 education innovations. Wow. And out of those, all over the world, or just in all minutes? over the world, uh, I think like 150 countries roughly are presented in in our uh, the database.
0: You could call 150 th- the whole thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe we have <laughs> to change the branding. But you know, um, and and then out of those all innovations, two hundred and two uh, two thousand and two hundred are having the innovation page publicly available on our platform. So that's basically a good way to find what is the latest in education world.
0: That's really cool. Uh, Among the many that stood out to me when I was looking through it was one called Green Passport Goes Around the World, which is from Vietnam. It is amazing how many different countries are represented on the platform. Do you find that just having a platform like that encourages collaboration and community where educators can browse this list of innovations and find a catalyst or a spark
1: for innovation? You know, many of these uh, innovators, they might be feeling a little bit lonely in their own environment. So you know, they're the crazy ones who have been, you know, putting their minds and souls into these practices and solutions. And for many of them, the 100 as a platform and as an organization, we have been able to offer a community where they can meet and and work with like-minded colleagues around the world. And I think, you know, that has been one of the secret sauce of, of our organization that we have been able to bring these people together, have that common platform for them to share the solution, practices and work together.
0: Well, you're know, continuing this line of international um, collaboration. Uh, as we just noted, 100 has a global footprint with a presence in not just Finland, but uh, some of the countries I saw in there were the U.S., Turkey, Japan, India, and Botswana, among many other countries. How do you approach launching a mission in any new country? And do you have to account for cultural differences or mores when doing so?
1: Yeah, so we as an organization, we are quite small. So we are like 15 you know, employees, but the work is multiplied through our volunteer community, which consists of 930, 100 ambassadors, wow. uh, which are led by 2,500 country leads at the moment. And uh, and then we have on top of that, 100 academy of 150 um, education researchers and, and, and change makers for helping us to review these solutions and practices when we are creating our innovation collections. So that's kind of like the way how we can Pretty much approach any of the country country in the world and and identify solutions and practices that are impactful and scalable
0: and and um can you can you without put, putting a finger at, at at anyone who didn't make the cut can you give us an example of something that didn't work and, and why um again without identifying them too but but i'm just just curious about what what does not make the cut
1: gladly and um, I think like we should start from the notion that uh, education is always very contextual. So something that works perfectly here in Finland might not be usable in some other country, let's say, for example, in a uh, South American country or in in Asian country. And then from the other perspective, some of the innovations that are working extremely well in, in a low-resource setting might be as good in, in, in a country like, like Finland or U.S., um, but when we are looking at the impact and scalability factors of education innovations, if the innovation is not flexible and adjustable uh, from from the core of it, it usually does not work because we always have to adjust the way how we operate to current education system and demands and needs the teachers and students are having. So if you are missing those uh, flexibility factors, usually it doesn't make a cut.
0: I see. That, 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 makes, that makes sense. Finland has a wonderful reputation for excellence in education. What is it about Finnish culture or Finnish society that has made such great strides in education and made it a model for global education?
1: Yeah, so Finland is, is uh, known about this very strong public education system and, and the whole system is based on idea of equity and excellence. So what we mean by that is that we try to provide similar kind of possibilities for students to thrive and find their way to flourish And and find, you know, a meaningful career or um, profession uh, through the education, uh, educational activities. And uh, we have been doing that by investing a lot of social capital to how to build the education system uh, within Finland. So we kind of like do not have any private schools here, just a handful. So the whole system is based very much on uh, public education.
0: I I didn't realize that there there are no private schools in, in, in Finland.
1: Only very few. Some of them might have some, like, um, international international schools for expats uh, or mm-hmm. uh, German school or French school or, or schools like that, which are private, uh, but they are specializing still, in a particular... Exactly, uh, but still quite often following the national curriculum because it's so good.
0: Now, in, in the States, for example, I'm just trying to use this as a as baseline for, for what I understand in terms of uh, public education. Whenever there isn't a... Um, school that meets the needs of a particular community. There's something called a charter school, and what uh, what is the equivalent of that here? And if there, you you know, when if if someone's if someone has needs that aren't being met, or 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 is is the Finnish education model so flexible that is able to encompass and 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 be elastic enough to incorporate the needs of that of that child?
1: Yes, that's that's what we are aiming at. So if there are special needs students in a classroom, the schools are getting resources accordingly. So we don't have a, that kind of like a specialized system like a charter schools, for, for that kind of needs or demands in, in specific areas. Uh, rather than that, we are trying then to, in a flexible way to adjust the resources where those are needed. And uh, for example, if we are looking at the education here in the Helsinki, the capital region of, of Finland, we are seeing that we have more Diverse population, we have different kind of like special needs. And then so starts just like adjusted based on the need.
0: Got it. Uh, what got you personally interested in education personally and
1: brought you onto this journey? <laughs> this is an easy one. Frustration. So um, <laughs> I, I remember uh, I firmly like li- and, and found like how my mother was picking me up from a railway station. I was maybe 18 at the time. And uh, there was a piece of news, you know, mentioned in a, in a radio and they were saying like um, that there, there were some resourcing problems with student counselling. And uh, at the time I was thinking like how difficult it can be to organise student counselling services for our schools. Um, and that idea stick in the back of my brain for the time I studied in a university and, and, and somewhere towards the end of my university time. I actually uh, founded my first company, which started to offer free-of-charge student counseling services wow. for students, mm-hmm. and we made the universities pay the bill.
0: And and that was for college students or for uh, or for K through
1: 12. That was for all the students who were enrolling to universities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we kind of like wanted to give them this kind of like a career counseling slash student uh, study counseling uh, between, and that was kind of like the initial starting point for me to start creating these kind of like a social enterprises or social companies which can work between the public sector and the private sector.
0: Yes and, and and to and to bring to bring children the the all the education needs that they that they may have. Well there's a lot of talk about how children are the future, a lot of cliche talk about how children are the future, but we don't always have a clear plan for educating this next generation to handle the responsibility that we're leaving for them. Can you address what we need to do to prepare children to grow Into the responsibility they are going to need to be stewards of the planet in this critical decade of, you know, to the 2030 sustainable development goals?
1: I I think, like, one of the trend words we have been hearing, especially during the time COVID, is resilience. And uh, we know that the world is changing super quickly around us, and we have to be able to adjust our skills and competencies accordingly. So I think, like, first of all, it's very important that we make our students learn to learn. And then secondly, uh, what we are
0: saying. Let me interrupt. I'm sorry. When you say learn to learn, uh, just to delve a little deeper on that for a second.
1: Yes. So the the concept of lifelong learning uh, is is vital. So we have to be uh, being able to keep our curiosity uh, towards the world and things happening around us and we have to be very good at adapting our know-how and, and knowledge. Uh, we just today had a discussion with one uh, one partner who was then also referring that, you know, it's so easy to say that from the Finnish context. Where at the same time, we have students in uh, global South countries who are, you know, not even having the basic literacy or numeric skills. So, of course, those basic numeric and literacy skills are extremely important so you can build the course competency skills on top of those. Right. But whereas we are looking at the labor market, we need more 21st century skills like creative thinking, critical thinking, social emotional uh, skills and competencies so that we can navigate our way through the more complex world.
0: Do you work uh, in in in, um, in elucidating what you just said? It sounds like you're you're... I mean first of all, you're spot on and and it sounds like you have a, very much an eye on on employment are you work uh with other companies to find out what their needs are when you're trying to figure out how to chart the course for children educationally
1: yeah so if we think um um if you think kind of like the, the education systems uh we often start from uh, by saying that the purpose of education system is to make children flourish in life no matter what happens. And by that, we mean that we should be able to support our kids to find a meaningful way to do things that they love and and find an occupation that can, you know, pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, uh, when we are, you know, seeing how the societies and, and, and industries are shaping the world and changing around us, uh, education is having a very key role how we are able to address those changes. Um, talking about environmental education, talking about sustainability, circular economy, which are all based on the kind of like the same topic, but they're just like building on top of the uh, more uh, simple concept in a way. Mm-hmm. And and we believe that we should always look to education from the contextual point of view. So, in some countries, you, for example, have to start by creating env- environmental understanding, whereas in some other country, you can start, you know, discussing about circular economy. Both of our, are, you know, teaching kind of like the same very important uh, area of sustainability, but they're just like in the other spectrums of that, that line.
0: Got it. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. We're, we're still suffering through a global pandemic. How has that impacted learning and education and what can we do to make up the gaps in education that the pandemic has caused?
1: Uh, Throughout the world, we have been uh, sadly witnessing uh, a big learning gaps uh, with the students. Uh, We have been witnessing how the ones who have had struggle at school or in learning are in great danger of dropping out. And um, uh, that has happened, for example, with the literacy skills we talked earlier. in in some global South countries, one or two age groups might have dropped out. That's a huge impact for those societies. And then at the same time, in in our context, we are seeing how loneliness and depression, for example, are on a rise uh, with the students and, of course, uh, as adults as well. And we should be able to address those (laughs) quite quickly or we might have big problems coming in a few years' time. Absolutely. And uh, you should connect with 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 Annie,
0: our previous guest, uh, with her telehealth uh, program. There will be some uh, collaboration there. Um, it's not just students that we have to prepare for the challenges that lie ahead. It's also the teachers. What do we need to do to make sure our educators are properly prepared to take our children into the next phase of their education?
1: Yeah, what seems to be key at the moment, we are, uh, in in many education systems and in many curriculums which are now being renewed, we are discussing more about project and phenomena-based learning. And what I mean with that is that we, uh, there is some more room for collaborative teaching. So, for example, math and literature teacher can be teaching together and combining their subjects together and, and combine you know, the learning goals to some actual real-life um, uh, phenomena or things happening and, and making the learning more relevant for the students. And I think that's the key. We have to make the learning relevant for the students.
0: And, and what traditionally has not been relevant, like what are you spearheading in terms of the changes that you're bringing about that is making things more relevant? Like give us an example of something that was not working and, and that you're doing now, that you're spearheading. Yeah, so
1: for example, uh, in, in some cases, especially if we go to upper secondary schools, the students might be feeling a disconnect with like, what they are learning and then how it will be like, actually like, benefiting them in, in their life. And uh, uh, one example could be, for example, one Finnish school then decided to make a study over the years that they started to measure the temperatures of the lake water and they started to uh, kind of like create different kind of visualizations and cr- graphics and they combine it with the photography and other subjects so that then eventually you were having actually a very comprehensive way of kind of like understanding how the climate change we talked earlier about is affecting uh, today' local environment. And then all of a sudden, those things you are learning as a part of the math class or as a part of the biology class are making more sense.
0: This is more of a 360 uh, perspective.
1: Exactly, and, and that's how the life is. It's so very difficult, you know, to try to divide, like like now I'm only going to use my that side of brain and, and then tomorrow I will focus on something else. Everything is interconnected.
0: Yeah, that, make, that makes so much sense. Uh, what kind of work is being done by your list of incredible partners from Lego and the World Bank to the Bhutan Royal Academy? Um, it sounds like things are just, they're so diverse. And so uh, uh, as the on the receiving end of all this great information and all this intel, you're able to process things from Bhutan, things from Denmark, things from the World Bank in D.C. with a global perspective. Um, tell, tell us about some examples of some of the, like the Bhutan Royal Academy for example that seems like such a um uh, an isolated interesting uh, unique scenario tell, tell us a little bit about what they're doing
1: gladly um the Bhutan Royal Academy academy is uh one of the kind of like leading organizations researching um holistic education and 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 well-being within their context in 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 Asia and um they actually created a very uh, great innovation called Five Areas of Development, which is measuring the overall well-being of the students. And that particular innovation is now going to be be implemented in in whole whole country to all all those schools. Um, As as a part of this uh, spotlight we did together with them, we wanted to understand more deeply how holistic education can be provided in Asian context. And in Asian context, often um, the curriculums are quite science heavy and uh, they often might be a little bit overlooking those well-being and and, uh, communication relationship factors that could also be learned at a school. And we hope that through this kind of uh, uh, examples, we are able to highlight those classroom level practices and solutions that can improve the learning results and make them more known uh, for the education providers, ministries, and policymakers, so that they would be more cor- courage to, you know, implement something like that uh, as a part of their curriculum.
0: Well, I know well being is very important to you, um, and that you had some really interesting uh, experiences working with um, uh, very high level coaches. Some of the coaches who, who train the top Finnish athletes when it comes to well being. Tell us a little bit about that, and 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 tell us a little bit of your work. Outside of work, tell, tell us tell, tell us what makes you uh, what what really interests you. It sounds like it sounds like well being is, is is one of those
1: things. Yeah, I think like um, working out and and focusing on on well being has been this kind of like way of escapism for me during the time of COVID. And uh, I have been very privileged to be able to be coached and and uh, with some of the same coaches that have been training the. Uh, top Finnish athletes from NHL players to basketball players and and so forth. And um, what interests me a lot is kind of like how deep the connection between um, mental and physical well-being is. And uh, especially during the times when we have to go through a lot, uh, seems that it's like a good combination of both mental and and, and, uh, physical exercise can Improve your resilience a lot, and 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 can make you feel so much better. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and uh, well, they um, there's that famous speaking of hockey, that famous Wayne Gretzky quote that said, "You miss 100 percent of the shots that you don't take." Uh, tell tell us a little bit more about like what what you actually do in terms of the the well being training and the exercise.
1: Yeah, so uh, I think like like we have to rewind like 50 years back in time, so. Uh, at the time, I wanted to be, you know, top volleyball player, uh-huh. and uh, that that was how I was kind of a, like really get into the sports scene, and I was playing in uh, in the Finnish teams, and even uh, I think we came like third or second in, you know, that's how, how much time there is between. I don't even remember anymore the <laughs> color of the medal uh, <laughs> in, in 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 the junior league. Um, but anyway, you know, I have been always keeping. Exercise and doing sports as a part of part of my identity, and uh, then here in between when we started hundred uh, with um, with with my co-founder, um, I was struggling so much and I kind of like lost, you know, doing sports for three or four four years in between, mm-hmm. and I I realized that I'm just starting to suffer like mentally and physically. I'm not anymore like recognizing like the uh, the passion or the joy in in a similar way and and when i was able to r- discover the joy of uh, exercising and and doing this workout it all came back and uh i hope that that's something that i'm able to you know carry on uh, from now onwards and especially when when uh, trying to <laughs> make the world a better place you have to take good care of yourself as well that's so
0: true um last question here for you by the by the year 2050 sixty eight percent of the world's population will be living in cities six point seven billion people in urban areas how can we prepare how can we be prepared to educate students in what are certain to be extremely challenging and overcrowding conditions
1: i i think like you know something that i was mentioning already earlier uh, those social emotional uh, skills will be very important uh, we, our lives will be even more globalized than it has been. This far, we will be working with people representing different cultures, different kind of values. We have to have very good so- social emotional intelligence to understand and 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 to to collaborate with with, with within these situations. And then at the same time, uh, sustainability is something that we should be looking closely. Uh, how we are able to minimize the carbon footprint. We are you know, leaving behind us uh, and how we are able to find the sustainable ways to create something even more beautiful for the coming generations.
0: Uh, that's, that's a great way to end things. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you to Lassie and to our sponsors, IceEye, IQM and 100. Learn more about the Finnish Flow at www.finishflow.com and follow the Finnish Flow account on LinkedIn. And here's a special message about UNICEF. UNICEF works around the world to save children's lives, defend their rights, and help them fulfill their potential. UNICEF never gives up. Join your local UNICEF to support their work. In Finland, visit unicef.fi.